We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Hello? We're on to Cincinnati. You play to win the game. It was all that Dan Marino's fault. Everyone knows that. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Rockpile Report, AFC East Roundup, hosted by Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of the AFC East Roundup Podcast. I'm your host, Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. We are the Rockpile Report, and we're here bringing you another week of AFC East conversation. And this week, Chris, we're talking about roster adjustments. Roster adjustments just shy of cutdown day. The only one that I know of is what happened in Miami over the weekend. Yep. All around the division, though, Chris, rosters are being massaged ahead of the start of the season. And calm down, Patriots fans. There's no Asian women in the studio. We're not talking about you. When we're talking about the Buffalo Bills, this week in our Rockpile Report podcast, we discussed the changes to the look of our specialist room as Hauschka was swapped out for the highly touted rookie Tyler Bass and newcomer Lachlan Edwards. Chris, people really thought that that guy was the guy to unseat Corey Bohorquez for the punting job. He had a chance and he didn't do it. He blew it. But the Bills also made two more moves that I think are worth talking about. First one is at cornerback, and it, I think it comes with the injury to Josh Norman seeming more serious as the time goes by. They they signed a cornerback off the street named Brian Allen, 
a big cornerback. We're talking about a big guy, 6'3", 215. The only information the mainstream media could dig up on him after his signing is that he's familiar with Tyler Medikavich from his short stint with the Steelers. He was a fifth-round pick in 2017, and that uh, he loves his family. Is he a wrestler? <laughs> no. Chris, groundbreaking stuff, I'm telling you. Yeah. When you look at that signing, I, the player most at risk on this roster, I don't think anyone. That seems like a camp body signing, just to kind of fill up space until Josh Norman is healthy. Would you agree with that? That could be true. We don't okay. know. We don't know how serious that Norman injury is. We outlined earlier this summer in our preview of the cornerback position that last season, while playing cornerback number two, Levi Wallace found himself tied for the ninth most targets of any cornerback in football. Chris, that's what happens when you play across from an all-pro cornerback like Trey White. Teams gravitate away from you. And they think, okay, well, I don't care who the other guy is. It has to be easier than going at that guy. So with that in mind, I can't imagine that they would trust this guy fresh off the street halfway through camp to come in and see considerable, if any, snaps at the cornerback position, knowing that he wasn't good enough to stick on two different NFL rosters. Chris, does this seem like a throwaway signing? Could be. I don't know. Maybe. It could be. Well, the... Uh, Have an opinion, man. The expansion of the practice squad. Okay. Oh, you, okay. You've piqued my interest. I'm just saying. With the Look at you, football. Oh, Chris with the, with the expansion football. expansion of the practice squad, maybe this is a guy they'll stash, but I don't know how... how I don't know if you would want to stack a guy on the squad recently signed versus somebody that's been through this whole process all summer. In yesterday's podcast, I talked about being proud of you like a father pushing a, a kid on a bike without training wheels and he didn't fall down. And then he just doesn't come home. He just <laughs> runs away. I'm hoping Jack does that. You, sir, you surprise me every time we sit down here for a new podcast. Chris, I'm genuinely impressed by how you're digging into football research and how you're gaining a better understanding of how the NFL works. That's cool. You went from being the guy who had no opinion because you didn't know football to having this ridiculous mohawk, but giving me something. It's a beautiful mohawk. It's something. Beautiful. And then we look at the linebacker position, and it caught... It begs the question, does this team really trust the depth that we have on hand? We traded away a, a garbage pick in 2023 for linebacker Andre Smith. Now, it was a player that the Panthers might have cut, so we traded for him. When you look at the makeup of the player, though, special team-centric guy, 65% of the snaps in 2019, according to Pro Football Reference, that's where he made his bones. And he played just 36 defensive snaps over the course of a season. He's not likely to be a backup, quote-unquote, interior linebacker. He has zero career starts on defense. He has just one blitz attempt. And he was targeted just one time in coverage and allowed that pass to be completed. Chris, if you looked at his stats, it doesn't look like this guy has done anything positive on a football field. No, it doesn't. I didn't know who that was, and... 
Didn't bother to look him up at all. I know. I did. And if anything, this signing to me says that they need a, a body that they can trust for the special team unit in the same vein as the Matikiewicz signing. And when you look over the current injury list, you kind of, it sheds some more light on why that was necessary. Look at this, Christian Wade. Last year, everyone loved that guy. You haven't heard anything about him, have you, Chris? No, because there's been no preseason games. Well, because he's missed a ton of time with a quad injury. Taiwan Jones, he's missed practices with a knee injury that apparently might be more serious. They might be one of the more serious injuries of anybody who got hurt during Bill's camp so far. Robert Foster is still in the concussion protocol. Yeah, that's always iffy now with what we know about concussions. So so with that said, you've got a whole list of special teams players that you don't know that are going to be ready in what? Less than... Chris, 13 what days? 12, 13 days? 12, 13 days. So with that said... When I look at this signing and I think about who's most at risk because of it or this trade, it's linebacker Voshan Joseph. Chris, I hated this. I hated the draft pick to begin with. He was a small player who everybody said, listen, he's a twitchy athlete, but he's small. He's a little bit light in the seat and he, he's, he doesn't have it above the shoulder pads. The biggest knock on him coming out of the draft was that for as athletic as he was, he didn't understand the nuance that football took. He would miss his gaps. He would miss assignments. He wasn't viewed as a guy you could just plug into an off a defense and it would just work. So with that said, he misses his whole rookie campaign to injury. And now he's behind develop, developmentally. As a small linebacker who's behind the eight ball already, Chris... They also signed Klein and uh, Matikiewicz, but he's yeah special team, so, so the he's got that, competition. But so the fact that now, this late in training camp, they're trading for a guy who only played special teams, how solid are you on the idea of Voshan Joseph being a part of a Bills team ever? Doesn't matter to me. You know, him <laughs> blowing up Craig Little last year is good enough of a career highlight for me. <laughs> That play, folks, Chris, can you retweet that gif out right now? I can. Yeah, you go do that right now, folks, at Rockpile Report on Twitter. You want to see some petty shit? We talked to Russ Brown, offensive line guru. NFL uh, scout for CoverOne.net. Yep. He, we asked him, why did Greg Little fall in the draft? And his response was, he isn't that effing good. And in the preseason game, we watched Voshan Joseph, a tiny, undersized linebacker, put a left tackle prospect named Greg Little on uh, on roller skates, and he fell down. And it was one of the most embarrassing plays by a tackle I've ever seen. Chris tweeted out at Rockpile Report. Ultimately, there are some, I don't know, I think the players on the Bills roster need to be a little concerned. The, they're churning things here. And that doesn't mean, it doesn't bode well for the guys already on the roster. It means that you've disappointed me in a way that somebody else off the street might be able to do something or somebody else from another organization that we have just a little familiarity with might be able to do your job better. Chris, that's a common theme when you look around the AFC East this weekend. The Miami Dolphins. 
The Miami Dolphins started this weekend by trading second-round pick Raekwon McMillan, inside linebacker. They traded him away. A guy literally just entering his third year in the NFL. And you know what it took me back to, Chris? Do you remember when we traded Kiko Alonso? Yes, I do. Now, when I looked at social media, there was a lot of Dolphin fan outrage. There was a lot of outrage because they looked at a player who had 105 tackles his rookie season, lost three games in 2019, but finished that year with 72 tackles, eight tackles for a loss. Chris, by all accounts, that's a solid linebacker, right? Yeah. If you're getting tackle numbers into the hundreds, you're probably pretty good at your job. Yeah. Didn't McMillan have a uh, was that ACL tear? Yes. So when you look at this, the question becomes, why did the franchise deem him replaceable despite controlling this guy, his cost, and his future for another two years? And it draws more parallels to the Kiko Alonso trade. Because, Chris, we had Kiko Alonso. He set the world on fire when he was here as a Bills linebacker. Yeah, he did. That year, there was, I remember that on ESPN, they were talking about, remember all the tweets, the legend of Kiko Alonso? People were talking about him like Chuck Norris. Yeah, oh yeah. Okay. He had his own segment on ESPN for that. Raekwon McMillan is kind of in the same boat. Because think about it. They both tore their ACLs and then they were both immediately traded. Yeah. The second that they could show that they were healthy enough to play the game of football, they were both traded away. I don't get down on their GM for this. I mean, here's here, this comes from a report over at uh, Yahoo Sports. Tannenbaum credits Greer. Now, this was the GM at the time. Tannenbaum credits Greer for Spear, who is the current GM. For spearheading the McMillan pick, as he'd initially held a lower grade internally, a third-round value, than the 22nd pick of the second round where Miami took him. Ultimately, Greer felt comfortable advocating for him in a higher spot because the Dolphins' research on his character, scheme fit with his physical prototype, and his productive career at Ohio State. Both Ohio State coach Urban Meyer and strength coach Mickey Mariotti raved to Greer about McMillan as a, pl- a player and a leader. Greer also credited the area scout Ron Brockington for doing the background diligence that made selecting him in the second round an easy choice. Chris, such an easy choice that they ditched him. Why? Because you look at what the team rebuilt itself into in free agency this year. They brought in an Alandon Roberts. They brought in a Kyle Van Noy. Those guys, where did they come from, Chris? Uh, Van Noy came from New England. Landon Roberts. I have no idea who that is. Came from New England. Where did the head coach come from? New England. So when he brings in these guys in free agency, and you have a guy that you drafted in the second round coming off an ACL tear, he says, listen, I don't need, I I get it. I, I see what you were doing, Greer, but guess what? I got guys. I know a guy. Chris, how many times have you seen it? You talk about how clicky the media is behind the scenes. You worked in radio production for years. How many times does it happen where a guy gets hired and there's probably another guy in line for a job and that guy who gets hired into, let's say, first Mike says, hey, I know a guy. 
Don't worry about the guy who's being groomed to take over a spot. I know a guy. And yeah. they bring in another chair. Yeah. That's literally what we just watched happen to the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, there is a guy that I worked with in... I didn't work with him. I was interning on a morning show, and he got the producer job of the morning drive time because, like, four other producers quit. <laughs> so he just, based on tenure within the radio station, he got the morning production job. Turns out, I guess he wasn't half bad because he did go on to produce for Doug Gottlieb. What? Yeah. All right, well, then maybe nepotism works. Who knew? Who knew? But in this case, that's exactly what just played out here for the Miami Dolphins. And it's interesting to see how the fans are upset about it. But, Chris, were you upset when we got rid of Kiko Alonso? No. No, because we got Shady McCoy in return. Yeah. What did the Dolphins get? Oh, they got draft picks. Oh, good. Lottery picks. They got lottery lottery tickets. They got lottery scratch-offs for it. Good job, Miami. And then there's this Kalen Bellage trade that I can't wrap my head around. This linebacker, Chris, linebacker, this running back was not worth a damn. Not a single damn. Yeah. Not a single damn was this guy worth. I mean, when you look at him, his claim to fame, the only thing he has going for him is that somehow in 2018, under Adam Gase, he had 36 rushes for 191 yards. Okay. That's that's pretty good, right? Yeah. He followed it up last year with 74 rushes for somehow less yardage. Picture that. Double the rushes, less yardage. Not a good running back. Now, my whole thing with this is... It's very rare that you see trades within the NFL within division. If so, somebody has to be getting hosed, right? You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with new contactless delivery drop-off settings. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off, zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. 
Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. And so on that note, we have to switch to the team that he now plays for. And we have with us tonight Mr. Scott Mason of the Play Like a Jet podcast here with us tonight. Scott, how are you doing? Hey, guys, how's it going? I assume you're talking about the one and only Kalen Bellage, yes? <laughs> the one and only, sir, the one and only. I, help me understand, okay? Your team traded for Kalen Bellage from Miami, and no one can figure out why. Help me well, here's, understand. Here's the, the new twist to that. So the trade actually got voided because Balaj couldn't pass a physical. So now he goes back to Miami. I assume he's going to end up on waivers, and maybe he ends up on the Jets if they can claim him. So the whole thing is insane. And by the way, this all happens right after there's an injury to Michael P. Ryan, who's one of the other running backs, the guy that they picked in the fourth round out of Florida. So now the only two healthy running backs they have in camp were Le'Veon Bell and Frank Gore, although now Josh Adams came back from injury. So the whole thing is just <laughs> insane. The Jets, last week you talked with us about the injury situation facing the Jets, and it doesn't, if anything, it sounds like it's gotten worse. And I'm looking at this Kalen Bellage. I mean, I can't imagine, Chris, follow me here. You're a layperson when it comes to football. Scott's very nuanced. Chris, let me explain to you. A running back. I'm going to read you some statistics for a running back, and you tell me whether you think these are something you want on your football team. First of all, a guy who averages yards before contact per attempt, 0. 0.7. 0. 0.7. Not, that's a zero with a decimal. 0. 0.7. And yet who averaged just one broken tackle last season. What does that tell you about a running back as a lay fan? That they can't get past the line of scrimmage unless they're untouched. <laughs> See, Chris, you're not just you're not just a mohawk and some hair dye. And then when you try to use him in the uh, pass game, you're talking about a guy who has 14 receptions, but four drops and a 16.7 percent drop percentage. Chris, he only got thrown to a handful of times, and he couldn't corral what. What is that, almost a quarter of them? That's, that, what are we talking about? Scott, help me understand why a team like the New York Jets would want this guy. Is it literally just Gase's familiarity? Well, I'll start with this. Obviously, it's a weird move because they already, seemingly on paper, were pretty stocked at running back with Bell, Gore, and P. Ryan, so why do you need another running back? That said, in fairness to Gase, A, Gase has said that he planned to use Bellage fairly extensively on special teams. They've had some injuries there. Bellage played special teams for Miami the year that Gase was there, and he also returned some kicks. Jets kickoff returner is uh, is uh, Vincent Smith, the wide receiver. He's out six to eight weeks. Jesus. So maybe Bellage could do a little bit of that, too. Also, honestly, it was going to be a conditional seventh rounder that they probably wouldn't have ended up even giving up. So if this is a guy that Gase likes, and remember, the other thing to keep in mind is while Bellagio was obviously terrible last year, he did have 5.3 yards per carry 
the year that he was with Gase. He makes no money. He's on his rookie deal. So I didn't really think it was that big of a deal one way or the other. Some people were really upset about it. To me, if Gase likes him, there was basically no price being paid, so fine. But it's just so apropos for what's been going on at training camp this summer that a deal that a lot of people thought was weird to begin with ends up getting voided because the guy couldn't pass a physical. (laughs) So we're like the theme of tonight's show is just roster massaging and things that did happen, that things that teams are attempting to do, things they should and shouldn't. You guys, it was widely reported that the Jets were in the running for defensive end Yannick Ngakwe. He was heavily rumored to be heading to Florham Park. First of all, what are your personal emotions towards that? Had it happened, would you have been a fan? So that's not a move I'd have made, but at the same time, if they did do it, I obviously would have been pretty excited about it because here's how I look at it. Ngakwe cannot sign an extension until January 3rd because they missed the deadline. So any team that trades for him is getting him for one year and then hoping that they can work something out at the end of the year. And people have said, oh, you could get him on a handshake deal, but we all know how that works. You do a handshake deal, and with the Jets, you end up with Anthony Barr saying his stomach hurts and he has to go back to Minnesota (laughs) at the last second. So you can't bank on that. But I think (laughs) with Ngakwe, it would have made very little sense for the Jets because they're not a team that is ready to really make a deep run right now. So why give up draft capital that you've been building. In fact, you traded your best player in Jamal Adams to build up this draft capital. Why trade valuable picks and then pay $17 million to this guy and then you don't even know if you're going to be able to keep him? If they were able to keep him, that's a whole different story. To me, if you're going to make a move like that, the more sensible move is signing Jadavian Clowney. Now, don't get me wrong. I think Ngakwe is a much better pass rusher than Clowney, but Clowney... I love what Brett Coleman, who you guys know very well, said about Clowney. He said he's Batman as a run defender, he's Robin as a pass rusher, and he's Alfred in pass coverage. I think that perfectly sums up Jadavion Clowney. And I think that if you could get him on a one-year $17 million deal, that makes sense because you're not giving up anything and there's no long-term commitment. But in Gakwe... I don't think that made any sense. And from what I understand from talking to some people, it sounds like those reports were a little bit bogus and the Jets were never really in on Gothway. Which is good because I'll say this. And everyone, (laughs) I got an email that said, oh, I don't understand the purpose of this AFC uh, roundup podcast if your only thing is to shit all over opposing teams. That's not what we're here for. We're here for discussion. I'll say this. I was pleasantly surprised to hear that you guys weren't actually involved in this. And the reason why is because, Chris, think about our GM, Brandon Bean. He's a contractual gangster. We coined the phrase. Contractual (laughs) gangster. He's a shrewd SOB. And to him, he's said over and over again, that as he builds this football team, the thing he wants is long-term solvency. He showed up in his first jam role and took over a team that was kind of in cap hell. Yeah. The 2017 Buffalo Bills sold off their best cornerback, their best wide receiver, and somehow made the playoffs. That's astounding. But they did, and then the next year they finished the teardown and were one of the worst teams in the football. Let's look at all that dead cap space. Exactly. 
So having had to dig out of that as a professional GM, our GM's approach, it resonates with fans because we say, look, here's a guy who says, look, I'm not going to ever try to swing for the fences. I'm going to hit singles and doubles, and I'm going to try to hit my home runs when it comes to the draft. And so far, it's, Chris, what do we have? We have one of the most cap-solvent rosters. Yep. We, we're flush with young talent. Yes. And we're on the upswing. Yes. The New York Jets are a team that is still trying to figure out whether or not... I, I mean, I, I at this point, you're in the throes of... On defense, you're stocked with talent. At least last year you were. Talent enough to be a top-five defense. This year, there's a lot going on. There's a whole spate of injuries. There's all these things going on. Your GM was smart enough to say, hey, there's this thing that I could do. I could do it. But I'm not going to because I want to be solvent long term. And the fact that he made the th- he that's to me, Joe Douglas looks like the smartest Jets GM that I've seen in a decade. Pretty low bar. But yeah, I agree that Douglas made the right move here. Like I said, I think if Ngakwe was available and the Jets could get him and sign him to an extension right away, that's fine because I completely agree with what you guys are saying as far as solvency and all that, but there are certain key positions that if you can get a difference maker who's in his prime, you have to jump at that, especially when you're a team like the Jets who hasn't had a really good edge rusher since John Abraham, which was 15 years ago. If they could have gotten in Gakwe and locked him up, that's one thing. But to trade assets and pay the guy $17, 18000000 this year on top of it doesn't make any sense. Like I said, I keep going back to Clowney, who's still out there. While I don't think he's this good of a pass rusher, I certainly think that he would help make up for the loss of Adams because he's really good at setting the edge on the run, which Bradley McDougald is not good at. The safety that they brought in from Seattle in the Adams trade. And I do think that he's certainly a significant upgrade at a pass rusher over what they do have. So if they could get him one year, so what? He's off the books at the end and they don't have to trade anything. And they might even get a comp pick when he leaves. That, to me, might make some sense. And I would be all for that if Douglas wanted to do it. But in Gakwe to trade a second and a fifth, I believe, is what the Vikings gave up. Pay him $18 million and then keep your fingers crossed that maybe you impress him enough that he wants to stay which we've seen that story a million times here with the Jets. And I don't know how likely it was going to be he'd want to be here, especially when he would have a whole bunch of teams interested. That's a different story. So I, I agree with you. I think Joe Douglas definitely made the right move. The Anthony Barr trade still has to stick in your craw. Or not trade, but the signing. The fact that he got here, he got into talks, the deal was verbal, it was announced, it drove Bills fans crazy, and then he all, all of a sudden it blew up. It blew up, and then as he's talking about why he did it, he said it was like you were walking down the aisle with the wrong woman. Like, that just, <laughs> that just still has to chap Jets fans' asses. And so I know I said that I'm not going to be totally negative about the Jets. I think, I, Chris, would you say I did a fairly good job of giving their GM, Joe Douglas, a good pat on the back? Yeah, he's okay. not making any rash moves. Okay, so now it's time to dump on him again. Wide receiver Dante Moncrief. Scott, I thought we talked about this. Last week, we talked to you and I outlined that these guys that you were bringing in for visits, the Whites and the Moncriefs of the world, they shouldn't even be allowed to get a hotel room in an NFL city, much less a job. And yet here the Jets are giving him a paycheck. Why? Tell me why this makes sense. 
The easy answer is, unfortunately, there just aren't very many options right now, and they need bodies. I don't know that Moncrief is going to make the roster, although <laughs> since 75% of the wide receivers seem to be injured, it's a little more likely than I would have thought. But you got to remember, like today at training camp, for example, I my head spun when I read this. Andy Vasquez, who's one of my favorite beat reporters, he comes on the show quite a bit. He writes for NorthJersey.com. He tweeted out at Chris Herndon, Chris Hogan, Jamison Crowder, and I'm trying to remember who the other wide receiver was that came off the field. They all came off the field at the exact same time, and you're sitting there going, who's even left anymore? <laughs> they don't. Jeff Smith, who is another guy that was doing well, and he's gone. Perriman hasn't been on the field yet uh, <laughs> since he got hurt. We haven't seen Denzel Mims. They've got nobody. Like, you're looking at this, and it's like, oh, here's Sam Darnold thrown to Ryan Griffin and Dante Moncrief. I think the simple answer here is there really wasn't anybody else that they could get. I mean, I suppose they could bring back to Marius Thomas, whatever. I guess that's okay, but who really thinks that he's going to make a major difference? I think what this really goes back to is the mistake Douglas made at wide receiver is, yes, you could argue that he should have taken a second wide receiver in the draft, and I do think that he should have. However, I don't know that that receiver would have made a major difference year one, but they, what I think they definitely should have done is they should have re-signed Robbie Anderson, especially when we found out how much money he actually got in Carolina. Oh, and your friend Manish Mehta from the New York Daily News tweets out just an hour ago, rookie wide receiver Brian Edwards is crushing it at Raiders camp and is in line to be a week one starter. The mm-hmm. Jets passed him up twice in the third round. Mm-hmm. How much does it sting? I mean, knowing that my producer, Chris, with his stupid hair and his 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 famous tagline is that he's an athlete. He loves yeah. telling me that because he plays roller hockey against other adults that he's an athlete and more athletic than I am. Should have been there last night. I did the Michigan to perfection. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're on rollerblades. This doesn't count. But the fact that Chris could make a convincing case, almost like this was major league, for them to at least let him on the practice field, that's what you guys are doing at wide receiver. Do you have any animosity (laughs) towards, towards the plan that this team was built around? Well, let me first say that Chris's hair looks stellar right now, so I don't know what you're talking about. That's number one. Number two, listen, I actually really like Brian Edwards, and I wanted him at number 79 when they took uh, Jabari Zaniga out of Florida. But I think that, again, maybe Edwards does well in his rookie year, but generally guys that are mid-round receivers don't make major impacts in year one. Obviously, he'd be preferable to what we have. Whoa, whoa. Don't tell Bills fans that about Gabriel Davis. Do not tell Bills fans <laughs> about Gabe Davis that mid-run receivers can't be. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not saying can't be. I'm just saying it doesn't <laughs> usually happen. But at the same time, look, the the main thing that I wanted with that pick was I thought Edwards was a guy that could be here for a couple of years and turn into a really nice receiver. And then maybe you pair him with Mims and you have two young guys. But I think the main thing that stuck out to me, and I said this at the time, was the Jets should have brought back Robbie Anderson. He was probably the best wide receiver on the market and he was certainly easy to try and work out a contract with when you look at the numbers that he ended up getting from Carolina he got two years 20 million which is really no big deal they certainly could have matched it if they wanted to and if you think about it if they really like Perriman 
for the amount of money that Anderson got, they could have signed Perriman and kept Anderson. I think that's the big thing here that really is sticking out to me is you knew they had Crowder, who's a solid, good receiver. He's a guy I really liked in Washington, and he did well with the Jets last year, but he is a slot guy. And then beyond that, what did you really have? You had Perriman, who had a handful of nice games at the end of the year in Tampa, but that's the extent of really what he's done positively. If you're bringing him in, that's a real swing. At least Robbie Anderson is somebody that's an established, solid receiver that you know that has a rapport with Darnold. I just That was one thing that I definitely didn't love about what Joe Douglas did in the offseason. And the other thing, of course, is I thought he should have made a little bit more of an investment in the offensive line. I know that they turned over a lot of the starters, but I still think that they could have gotten somebody like Graham Glasgow made a little bit more of a longer-term investment. But yeah, for sure. I wouldn't say animosity is the right word, Drew, but they could have done more at wide receiver, and I think you're seeing uh, why they should have right now. Oh, man. See, you got to give in to that sometimes. you got to get a little angry. Yell at your football team. <laughs> Let them know that you're not happy. Chris, you do I, that all the time. I love that we've spent so much time talking about the Jets because they're our week one opponent. And they're, to me, on this list of people who are teams in our division that are massaging the roster still. They're the ones with the most work to do. So I feel like this conversation is incredibly interesting. Is the fishing expedition going to continue? Do you foresee the Jets being a team that's going to continue to churn through this kind of process of street free agents and visits and guys even up up to and counting past cutdown day as we run up to <laughs> as we come up against this Saturday deadline to get down to 53 do you think that the Jets are going to continue their fishing expedition for talent to try to flesh out this roster for week one? I don't think they have a choice based on all the injuries that have gone down with the team. I think they'll monitor the waiver wire. They'll see if there's anybody that they like and maybe make a couple of moves on the margin. I think the vast majority of the core of the roster is set. The last domino to fall was Avery Williamson. There was some question that maybe he would get cut to save a few bucks. He ended up restructuring, which is good because otherwise we would have had to watch Neville Hewitt and Burgess be the two uh, two inside linebackers again this year. And I know that everybody says, oh, they actually played pretty well last year. No, they didn't. They were bad. <laughs> no, they, they didn't. They just had to make a lot of tackles. And people say, oh, they made tackles. Go and watch the film. Our mutual friend Joe Blewett will tell you that those two guys were really backup quality at best. But I think they'll dabble. They'll look at some kickers, too, because at this moment they have Sam Ficken, who I think was the 30th-ranked kicker in the league last year. The Jets have had a kicking problem forever. And this is a team that, let's be honest, if they're going to win games, most of them are going to be pretty close wins. So you need a kicker who's reasonably reliable and he's terrible. So, yeah, I think they're definitely going to be trying their best to continue to massage this thing. But I think we can agree that short of them going out and signing Jadavian Clowney and surprising people, it's not like there's a lot of game-changing type moves that they could make right now. As a Jets fan, I was about to ask you if there was any surprise cuts you think they were going to make, but it doesn't sound like they can afford to cut anybody. So as we kind of wrap this segment, as a fan, put put the journalistic side of it, push it off into a corner for a minute. As a fan, what do you feel like this team is capable of accomplishing in 2020? The thing about that question is that there are so many what-ifs, right? So if Sam Darnold 
steps up and really has a, an excellent year, that could mitigate a lot of the problems on offense. If Mekhi Becton has an excellent rookie season, that could help out a lot. If Denzel Mims comes in and makes an impact right away. Not to interrupt you, but I know because I know our listeners hate when I do this. They hate when I interrupt our guests. But are you talking about the Denzel Mims who hasn't practiced in a week and maybe won't be ready for week one? Sure. This is why it's a what if as opposed to a definite. Of okay. Course. But I, look, I'm not counting on any of these things is what I'm saying. So if these guys all perform at a level higher than we expect or in Darnold's case at the level that we we're hoping for, if the defense, if say Quentin Williams, for example, who I, I'm a huge fan of and I loved coming out of the draft last year, if he steps up and becomes the type of player that the Jets are expecting, I think it's possible that maybe they could get to like seven wins like they were last year. Unless something insane happens, like Darnold just becomes a top five quarterback, then maybe it blows all expectations out of the water. But I think it's more likely that you're looking on the low end, which is closer to five wins. I think if you're a Jets fan, the main thing that you really have to concern yourself with, understanding that this isn't a team that's necessarily built to go all in or anything close to that, is if the cornerstone type guys or the guys that you're hoping will be cornerstones, Mims, Becton, Darnold, Quinnen Williams, so on and so forth, if those guys perform at a high level, then as a Jets fan, you should be happy with that because it shows you that, as you said with the Bills, when they were in the process of rebuilding, you've got something to work with and now you've got these draft picks and you got cap space. So at least you know that Douglas is going in the offseason with something there that you can work off of. If those guys don't do that and it ends up being even worse than the five wins, if it ends up being a three-win team and those guys don't really step up, then ooh, this is going to get real ugly real quickly. So my advice to Jets fans all the time is be most concerned about those young players and how they perform. Don't be as worried about the win-loss record. Obviously, cheer for all the wins that you can get. But at the same time, have your expectations low so that you don't have your heart broken. <laughs> Chris, that sounds like us for more than a decade. Yeah, it does. God, I love seeing other people suffer. Like, I'm just a bad person, <laughs> and I, I take pleasure from this. Scott, we appreciate you joining us. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find your work and what you have coming up on the podcast? Sure. So you can find me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. The podcast is Play Like a Jet. It's on all the apps that you can find, podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Apple, a bunch of others. And it's a daily show, so it's seven days a week. And what we've been doing most recently is daily training camp recaps. So Chris Nimbley of JetsInsider.com and Andy Vasquez from NorthJersey.com have been coming on and sharing all their observations because, as you guys know, more so than ever, there's – usually between five and ten, 10 guys, depending on the market, that are allowed into these practices. So we're relying completely on them to give us an, actu- an accurate picture of what's going on. So that's what we're trying to do every day. Usually the podcast is between 20 and 30 minutes. And so if you're a Bills fan and you want to check it out, it's a good window into, as you said, the Bills' first week opponent because if you listen to what's going on at training camp, <laughs> you can kind of get – an idea of what the enemy is doing, the strengths and the weaknesses, all the injuries, all that stuff. 
So that's what we're doing right now. And then once the regular season starts, we'll shift into regular season programming. You guys can go follow Scott Mason at Play Like a Jet One on Twitter. Provides great content for us. So as I'm refusing to talk about the Patriots tonight because I don't care about any of the, the moves that they're making. We close the show with a look at the Buffalo Bills and what I think the moves are that we should not be making. Chris, there's a window of time where the roster churning will continue. And there's some things that I pray to God we don't do as a franchise. Now, Scott had that quote, the amazing quote, about from Brett Coleman. Yeah. About Jadavian Clowney. Yeah. The Alfred, Batman, and Robin. Jadavian Clowney is number one with a bullet on my list of do not do this. When I look at Jadavian Clowney, what I see is a player. When he's on the field playing an outside linebacker role with the Seahawks, he makes an impact. He does. But how big of an impact? It didn't get them out of the, what, they barely won the first round of a playoff game against a backup quarterback. Chris, not just a backup quarterback, but a backup quarterback who, what, he's an old man. Yeah. I haven't seen, I don't think I've seen Genevieve Clowney uh, do anything on a football field that relevant since he hit that guy at Michigan. <laughs> Ultimately, when I look at Jadavian Clowney, what I see is a defensive end who has all the physical tools, yet can't give you any guarantee that he's actually going to make good on any of them from, a, from one game to the next. Yes, he's a disruptive player when he's healthy. Chris, how often is Jadavian Clowney healthy? Uh, not that often. About as often as J.J. Watt. <laughs> so, with that, why do you think the Houston Texans haven't won a Super Bowl yet? They had Jadavian Clowney and J.J. Watt, and yet, Chris, they've won, what, two playoff games under yeah. Bill O'Brien? Yeah, one was against Connor Cook. I mean, you should be playing the Super Bowl every year if your team is run by Bill O'Brien. I mean, that's a fact. <laughs> and they beat us they beat us with the assistance of some black headed assholes who ran out of the tunnel and changed what should have been a touchdown to open up the quarter I'm not going to get into the weeds on this Chris but ultimately how impactful of, of a player is Jadavian Clowney really if none of the teams he's been on how much of a game changer is he if all of the teams he's been on have struggled to win big games it seems, yeah, it seems like... How, Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack is one of those players you look at and you say, that guy has changed the face of games. Yeah. You watched him as a Raiders D-end bully the Chiefs offensive line. I mean, th there's that iconic video of him just stiff-arming an offensive tackle to the ground as he runs and sacks the quarterback. Yeah, I would think Jadavion Clowney is like what Brett Coleman had said, is more like a Robin. You know, if you want to get the best out of Clowney when he's healthy, you're going to need to put him on a D-line that has some talent. And that's not the guy that you're going to hand the type of money to that he wants. No. So, to hell with that idea. And everybody who thinks that, go ahead, tweet me, at Rockpile Report. I'll see you all in hell. One of the other ideas that's been picking up steam here, Chris, this Leonard Fournette idea. I'd like to throw a bucket of cold water right now. I give it the hardest of passes. First of all, the, Chris, I tweeted it out. 
He averages less than two yards before contact because of his running style. He had 700, over 700 yards after contact last season, but he breaks a tackle just one sixteenth of the time. In my opinion, he's a volume-dependent guy. And in a rotation, he could become a tackle-for-loss machine who'd be stealing reps from a young Bills running back tandem that badly needs them. Chris, let's look at Leonard Fournette. When you hear that he's available, he's up for grabs, what do you think about that? I would not want him. I'm fine with... And what is it that makes you not want him as a player? Because we got Singletary and we got Mosser on rookie deals. I don't want to have to pay. I wouldn't want to pay him uh, Fournette anything. But I don't think his character fits what Bean and McDermott are selling. And I'm sure when you say character, you're going back to the game where he started a fist fight on our sideline. Yeah. And that fist fight, think about this, Chris. In that pivotal moment of the game, you... You're a hockey guy. Yeah. Bulletin board material matters. Yes, it does. So and so do fight. A fight can change a momentum. Fight can change momentum in hockey. So you're in a pivotal moment where you could have had a touchdown, but instead you have it on the one yard line. All he has to do is shut his mouth, stay on the bench. Guess what? He probably gets the call and he gets to punch it in for a touchdown. Instead, a scuffle breaks out and he decides he's going to come off the bench walk around the field, and engage in fisticuffs with the Bills players. The emotional response from the Buffalo Bills, because they're coached by a guy like Sean McDermott, is that, listen, we can't kick your ass the way we want to in a physical altercation. We're going to bury you on the football field. Chris, they proceeded to hand the rest of that game. Yes. So with that in mind, no, he's not of the stuff that Sean McDermott talks about. He's not, he doesn't have that composure to him. But when you look at the numbers, I mean, Chris, there's, you can't even make an argument based on statistics. Chris, he had just three total touchdowns last year. Three. LeGarrette Blunt scored nine touchdowns. Remember the year he won a Super Bowl with the Patriots? Yeah. As a change of pace back. That's all he was. He was there to be a red zone weapon and a change of pace back. He scored nine touchdowns. Yeah, it's if if you're wanting Fournette you, had three. If you want Leonard Fournette on your football team, you basically look like, hey, I need a running back and I need whatever the closest to Lendale White is. <laughs> and that's exactly but it's even worse than that, Chris, because if you look at his game log from last year. You look at his carries. Chris, I have a chart for you. Ooh, yeah. From pro, <laughs> pro football ref. As I always do, I bring you charts. I, when when you look at his games, his game-by-game game statistics from last season, Chris, I, I see, highlighted them for you. I see heavy carry. I use four games, 24, 29, 23, and 29 again. So basically, if, he's, if you're giving him the rock 20-plus times a game on the ground, he produces yardage because I see uh, 29 carries, 225 yards, 23 carries, 108 yards, 29 carries, 131, 24 carries for 97 yards. Now talk. Now tell the people what you see around that. With Just these four weeks that I've highlighted. Everything else, what is it? Eight for 23? 
Yeah. 11 for 40. Yeah. 14, 14 for 38. For yeah. 2.71 yards per carry. That's who Leonard Fournette is. Yeah. That's who he is. It's kind of who he's always been. Because, Chris, you go back. Think about it. The lack of explosion. When you look at his advanced rushing statistics, in 2019, he had 1,100 yards. 792 of them came after contact. He only averaged one broken tackle every 16 rushes. So if you want to make him a part of a rotation, which we clearly have. Chris, are you putting Singletary or Moss, who you just spent a third-round pick on, behind Fournette in a rotation? No, I'm Okay. Not. Fournette has proven that he's a guy who needs more than 20 carries to break 90 yards. And even then, there's no guarantee he finds the red zone. Chris, with his running style, the plotting, kind of lack of vision, he's just... Chris, he's a bulldozer. That's what he is. But bulldozers break down. Yeah. And in that way... He's a liability to whatever offense takes him. People said the Patriots were going to take him, and I said Bill Belichick isn't that stupid. He's not dumb enough to sign Leonard Fournette because Leonard Fournette could be a tackle for loss machine. His average yard, his yards before contact, Chris, last year was 1.4, the lowest in his career. It's declined every year he's been in the NFL. So teams have kind of targeted Leonard Fournette. They know that he's slow to get out of the backfield. And what did you say earlier, Chris? You you shocked me when you said, hey, when I said yards before contact. What? what? We were talking about yards before contact when we were talking about Kalen Balazs. Oh. And you said, oh, that just means he can't get past the, the uh, line of scrimmage. So unless if, he goes untouched. So if Leonard Fournette can't get past the line of scrimmage without being touched... And he only breaks a tackle of one in 16 attempts. Where does he fit in a rotation where he might only get 10 snaps? Are you going to get all 10 snaps where he breaks every contact? And I mean, I think we saw that with what's-his-face, the guy that we liked, uh, the running back that we let go to the Patriots for a fifth-round conditional pick. Mike Gillisley. Mike Gillisley. Leonard Fournette could very well be another Mike Gillisley for a football team. A guy who some weeks he'll flash and some weeks he'll shit the bed. I just don't want it on my football team. So everyone out there in Bill's Mafia needs to calm down and let that idea go. Because this guy could very well take those 10 carries and turn them into four tackles for loss, bury you, force punts, and actually stymie your offense. I hate it. Chris, I don't want this guy anywhere near my football team. (sighs) Cutdown week is coming. We just talked all about it with Bruce Nolan in our Rock Pile Report podcast. Any Bills fans out there should go listen to it if you haven't. Out-of-town fans, go check it out. We talk about some interesting stuff about the Buffalo Bills, especially if you're a Jets fan, trying to figure out what's going on with the Bills coming into week one. Chris, next week, this AFC Roundup podcast is going to be on fire. Yeah. (laughs) Real football is coming back. I can't wait. Thank you all for showing up each and every week and supporting this secondary branch of our podcast. But, Chris, it's time to go. So with that said, that's Scott Mason. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. And this has been your AFC's Roundup. Did somebody say playoffs? NBA and NHL are playing for the gold, and our partners at BetOnline have you covered. 
Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports, and remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.